Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody? It's Joe LaPuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. As always, I am with my two guys. First off, Matt Welty, how are you doing, buddy? Doing all right. Word. Here for you, my man. Yep. And of course, my man, Brendan Dunn, straight from Brooklyn. He's waiting a delivery. If the audio goes out, if the video goes out, he's getting some, uh, what are you getting? Some like uh, truffle tarts delivered to the <laughs> to the crib or what? We got to shoot a video that involves wings. I can't say much more than that, but maybe people can figure it out. I don't know if it'll be out by the time this thing airs, but some production people scheduled a delivery. So if you hear my audio go quiet, like Joe says, it's, it's for work purposes. This is probably one of the busiest content weeks is it for you guys? It's probably the busy one of the busiest content weeks I've had in years. And you're what do you? Yeah. I saw you guys put up um, ranking the Air Maxes. You were doing some wing thing. I mean, we're so we're you're rolling. running a marathon. Yeah, we're rolling. We're all rolling. Speaking speaking of wings, I had a meal on Friday uh, that I was very excited for. Out what of was the that? blue, out of the blue, I ordered takeout and I got lemon pepper wings. Ooh. Uh, sweet potato chili cheese fries. Okay, and the Beautiful. and the literal icing on the cake was I had a blood orange milkshake. Nice cheat Very night Friday. Fancy. I love that. I love that okay. for you, Welty. Were you just were you just in the crib with all that? What what was this, what was a special occasion? Was there a UFC fight? No special occasion. Just decided to uh, treat myself. Good. You treat yourself. It. You have to reward yourself. Look what you I got. It. How are these wealthy? Where do these? I just got these. I went down the, you know, I'm on. Oh, for simple. those who can't see, Joe's holding up the New Balance 992s in the OG Navy colorway that just released. I think those, they're really good. Okay, good. Because, you know, I took a trip down to Kith on Sunset. I'm in LA right now for for everyone who knows, you may have noticed the background's a little different during this podcast. But yeah, you know, I needed a kind of like an inline 992. I wanted to see if it passes the wealthy test. So I, got I wish they yesterday. had dropped those earlier on yeah. because it's like one of the original colorways and it made it seem weird that they dropped it, just kind of bunched it in with a bunch of random uh, more GR colorways. Joe, the one thing I got to ask though, so obviously your connection to Kith, right? Yes. You go, you, you know, you go into New York, you probably don't even have yes. to go into New York, you can get whatever you want. But when you're abroad, to some extent, and Joe LaPuma wanders into LA Kith, do you still do you get like the red carpet treatment? Is it like, oh, shit, Joe LaPuma's here? Great question. <laughs> Yesterday, I went before my shoot to buy a pair of sneakers which I have ran out of sneakers on this trip because we're shooting so much. He did say the word buy. Yeah, I did buy. I bought them. I, but but I went into Kit to buy new sneakers. I didn't want to go. I bought um the Samba Dunks at Soul Stage on set. 
and I didn't want to do resell. Yeah. But I'm running out of sneakers is what I'm telling you guys. I only packed like four and I thought, oh, you know, I could, and we just keep booking shoots. So went to Kith Monday, yesterday. The Monday program for Kith drops on Monday. Mm -hmm. There were people in line. I waited in line. No, Joe. Yes, I did. No, yes, I did. no way. Yes, Joe did. Puma did not wait in line to get into Kith. And I will no not way. text it. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. In I don't LA, there was only three people in front of me, but I had the mask on. I am not going to cut anyone in line Do you get for the, the discount, Monday program. Though? Is your discount good in LA? Do you have to ask? The friends and family is countrywide, okay? <laughs> you're still friends and family no matter what area code you're in. Global, but, baby. But I did uh, – I, I like that you asked that because, um, yeah, I, I waited in line. Someone saw me and I, I didn't cut. But now with pandemic protocols, you have to like wait for capacity – Someone saw me and then brought me in, but I didn't cut anyone. I just wait in line. Like uh, so, like, so humble. By, well, contrast, a- by contrast, I went to Kith this weekend to try and get some Kith treats, and I was frantically hitting people oh, up, sure. like I am not waiting in line for an sure. ice cream. I need to go. There's right always the door. there's always that weird sort of uh, what's what's the best way to put it? Where like your friend's the manager of a business, but you mm-hmm. don't know if your friend's going to be there or not. Mm-hmm. So you feel you feel weird maybe going in on the hours where you don't know that your plug is going to be in the store. So obviously you're a recognizable person, Joe, but I didn't know if it was universal that Joe LaPuma gets the RF treatment no matter where he goes. This is what you guys have to understand. And if you agree, I only do that when I feel like I'm getting played. Everything else, I'm chill. I'm like... I'm Joe totally doesn't mind spending like, his money. I could give yeah, her if that. You, if I feel like you're playing... Have you ever me, had to put in a call, though? Have you ever had to call? Um, you said you, when you feel like you're getting played. Has there ever been a situation where you had to make a phone call afterwards? I don't remember, but if but if I feel like... If I feel like me or someone I'm with are getting played, if I, that's when I get a little, you know, mm-hmm. in my feelings. Speak to the but manager. Every, yeah, I know the else, boss. No, everything, not like that, but like, you know, I wait in line like everyone else, you know, every, everyone, we're, we're all the same, baby. So when you, you go up to Kith Treats and you try to order the JLP or what they just say, what will you be having? And you're just like, point to your face. That doesn't really happen. Oh, (laughs) that doesn't happen that much. But what I do is like, you know, I just say, hey, what what will I be having? Have you seen this coat? Kith Brooklyn, I say like, hey, I'm on my way. And I text the manager, but I go to Kith Brooklyn the most. Who's the manager? I text uh, my, fr- my my guy Esteban. So so, can you introduce us? Yeah, absolutely. I'll put you on a group chat. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. What else do we got, guys? What's going on? I'll tell you a text I sent last night. It was to our friend and one-time guest on the show, Premium Pete. Ooh, the because, man. Because Premium. I was out I was out in his old stomping guards. I went to L&B's Bimoni Gardens. Okay, look up a at pie, you. Yep. Sent Pete a picture, and he immediately triangulated my location, said, more napkins, please. So I enjoyed a nice, a nice Sicilian pie. Did he have the Malbec flowing? Well, Pete wasn't there. He he didn't pull up. No, but me, I but. mean, was he? Did he say? Did he say? You know what he always says? Uh, Gin Don, and then he <laughs> he plays the Italian music, and the Malbec is flowing. It was a brief back and forth, so I don't know whether or not he had uncorked the Malbec for the evening. Okay, and you're getting on your pizza grind. You hit up uh, me and the person who we've been bringing up, Adam Caparell, F and F F and F Pizza. Send it. These guys are sending me uh, pictures of pizza back and forth. This guy's going to L and B's. Look at I've, you. I've been outside. I went. I went back to that one sneaker store that we're not going to name, even though I made fun How of people for not naming it. Okay. Did you get any? <laughs> did you, you any? I, I went with some of my associates and we bought a pair, an old pair of Air Force Ones. Here's the thing, though. The okay. guy who runs this legendary sneaker store that we will sometimes name and will sometimes not name, maybe legendary is too much, uh, forgive me if so, 
he usually doesn't sell the display pairs, but this was a display pair. So we bought this old pair of Air Force Ones in a women's size. And one of them is quite yellow around the midsole, so it's Ugh. kind of a project. The other one is box fresh, but I'm excited to kind of have a project like that. Have you guys ever had to do that? Like Yo. throw some sea glow on or throw some acetate on to strip the yellow off? I never the tried real, that. Does the it work? Real story, the real story you need to talk about is not buying the shoes, but working in the retail store and trying to sell someone a, a display shoe. Tell me about Oof. it. With Joe knows, you yes, know, they you always have a, ask you, for a discount every no, but you, single but time. You have a, you oh, have well, a guaranteed sale. You always have a sales number you're going against. So say the day is like $2,200. Yep. It's 9.15. You have 15 minutes left and you're at $2,100. And you're like, I need to sell one more pair of shoes to get out the door. Some guy's going to walk in, want a pair of retro threes or whatever. And there's, you know there's a size 11, but the only one is the one left on the wall. And you know the yes. guy does not want to buy the shoe and you're almost like how dingy are those shoes on the wall though if they've just been sitting there for a couple months it's just a thing they just always even if even if People it was brand them, brand new they're like oh i want a discount this has been on display and i used to say something i used to go i just put it out before you came so it's brand new <laughs> every single yeah, time but it's hard every single it's time and, and it and it worked around 90 percent of the time i'd be like oh i we're, we're act- i actually just uh redid this wall we put it out today so you know but you always get that one shoe that like some grimy motherfucker ha- like went to Annie Ann's before and had yes. some yes. Pret- pret- pretzel juice on their hands and touched the tongue and you know Annie Ann's to go to Annie Ann's. Let me tell you guys something. There was a there was um it wasn't Annie Ann's. It was pretzel time in my mall. And when I tell you the pretzel time was literally five steps away from the front of the finish line, and I was so like. It was even such a big five steps away. And I just even walking to get a pretzel and a lemonade or iced tea was such a big deal. Like, I wonder if they'll let me go to pretzel time. I wonder if they'll let me go to. You weren't allowed to take a break. It's literally five seconds of your time. It it wasn't a break, but like sometimes you're working retail and you're like, this is like the most regimented thing the pretzel yep. place is like five seconds away five steps away and you're like oh, man i wonder is my manager gonna get mad that i stepped out for a Definitely. pretzel it was like that all the time or it's just the fact that they let you do it you know what yes. i mean it, it, it's more the principle that you walked away for five seconds and weren't working to get a sale than the actual it only takes 30 seconds to do this but the thing i was gonna say was is that so you there were so many times I know you you said mm-hmm. you used to say to people that you would be like, oh, just, I just put, put it this out. out. But if it's like a white shoe or something and you you know the shoe's fucked up, how many times you've like sneakily like went to the back and like, hey, let me uh let me uh go check yes. and you bring the you bring the shoe out back and try to stuff it in the box without them looking and then give yes. them the other shoe? You try to do a bunch of those things. And then honestly, if it was messed up, we probably gave 10% off though. You know? Yeah. But, but there's some people who don't even want the yes. want the 10% off. They're like, I yep. don't want to buy it, you know? Yep. And it is what it is. Is what it is. The display shoe, though, always kind of a point of contention. And when you worked in like a in a store that had the big, big walls, so many were on display. Also, yeah. fill, filling that wall every night was the the worst. Worst. The worst. The the worst project. The worst part was, is, and I don't know if Finish Line did this, but Foot Locker made you bar lace the shoes. Bar lacing? I, That's disgusting. Why? Yeah, you had to bar lace the display shoes because they thought it made it look sleeker on on the wall. On the wall, 
So you'd have to bar lace them all at the end of the night, but it would also it would also be the telltale sign that yes. one of them was a display shoe because the shoe was bar laced. Here was the worst days. Okay. Tell us. And we're not going down the retail story. <laughs> you guys love rabbit this. You hole. guys love this motherfucking Wall rabbit change, hole. Joe? Pricing changes, sales changes, the worst done. You would just get a booklet of sale changes that you had to mark down sneakers. Now, it was so important, and it was like sometimes a hundred styles. You'd have to yep. go do the. You'd have to manually do the hang tag, the yep. price guide. But it was so important because people would come in and be like, "Oh, how much is the um, the Nike Air Turbulence?" And you'd be like, "Oh, one hundred and thirty dollars." And then that day it could have been on sale for seventy nine. So people would walk out of the store because they're yep. like, oh, "I'm not they paying a hundred. And the managers would be like. These just went on sale today. If you were on top of marking down the yep. wall, what the we fuck were you so- doing? Oh Dope. man, it was those days. Markdown days were the worst. But to tie it back, that's what Corgi was talking about when he was talking about like the penny skews. Um, yes, at Foot Locker because you'd get a you'd get this the new skew packet and it would be like fifteen pages and you knew that like at least half of the shoes in that packet were things that weren't really in the store. You know, they may have like a shoe that an employee may have stolen 15 years ago that for whatever reason, it, it never got processed in the audit. So it's still coming up in, in the, in the store system, but maybe there was one pair out back, but it's yes. not really a shoe that's, that's there. And that's what he meant by when he was saying penny skews, because mm. there are things that mm-hmm. are still in the system, but you have to like go through fucking hell and back to even find that sneaker. Definitely. Done. I do want to talk about something. You said you were outside, and I remember you. you uh, I think before you were planning to go outside, you even put a warning tweet up saying, "I'm going to be outside this weekend." And then you did. You had a. You had an Instagram. You had a nosebleed. Let's get into the nosebleed. What happened? <laughs> what happened? Sometimes Got I get excited. All right. There wasn't any. There wasn't no spicy action anywhere. <laughs> Just checking. I, you know, I'm I think, out of town, my, so I have to my check. IG, I, I just, my I'm just IG checking. comment. I'm, I'm out of town, oh, so just let it. I just got to check on my boys. But also what I noticed, place. what I did notice, my man had a little break. He had the ALX bracelet? <laughs> no, what, what bracelet? Go ahead. You are outside. A little bit. And you, yeah. know, you know what? Let me tell You're you something else about being now? outside. You rocking I had a bracelet? the ambush join on. Okay, see, I knew it was something fashiony. Go ahead. Let me tell you something else about being outside. And I texted you about this because I was upset. And t- talking about speaking to the manager and all that. I went to Lure, where where oh, I thought man. your name held weight, where I thought Vashti yeah. could walk me you, right in the door and get me the best you, seat in the house. They sat my ass on the corner. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I thought, you were, on, I I thought you were joking. Mercer I thought that was a spring. joke. They put no, you across from Intermix? <laughs> <laughs> Vanilla Cafe it wasn't even I in was Lord? sitting in the bike lane. Wow. It was a Take- nice meal. Hard to find a gluten-free meal downtown sometimes. Lower's my lower's my place table 76, man. Well, that's it's not lore, my- I love lore. I love lore. So wait, it was outside dining, not inside. Sun was shining in my face. The fans, you know what it was nice though to be with the people. Did you get a the fan, you know, house roll? A fan wanted to take a photo, so we, you know, stepped away from my lunch for a second. Okay. Lower house roll or what? I don't know the right things to order, Joe. We gotta go. We we gotta go one day. Yeah, I got we'll put it on the list of the long long list of places we're gonna go. We together. also have to go to Utopia Bagel still with the whole squad. Queen, get that? Yes, Queen. I mean, Queen, Queen Italian, of course, of course. 
Oh, we got a good guest today. I'm in LA. It's, it's a little early. We got we got a major major guest today. Let's bring him in right now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Our guest on today's episode is an iconic New York-based graffiti artist who started his career by bombing New York City subway trains decades ago. At just 17 years old, his work was featured alongside legends like Keith Haring and Basquiat in exhibits around the city. In the 1980s, you couldn't escape his art that was sprawled all across the East Village, and his knack for mixing striking colors with a myriad of shapes is as recognizable today as it was 40 years ago. As his illustrious career in art was solidified, he became highly sought out by footwear brands like Vans, Reebok, Clarks, and more to collaborate on silhouettes throughout the years. But his work with Nike is undoubtedly historic. An Air Max 95, multiple Air Force Ones, Nike Dunks, and a classic BW to name a few. And between all of that, he opened one of New York City's classic sneaker stores down on Lafayette Street, Nort Recon. We're excited to get into all of that and more by welcoming Stash to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm good. Wow. Thank you for that amazing introduction. We got it all correct. I, you know what? I, I stopped listening after our guest today because it's, it's kind of like humbling and really interesting at the same time. But thank you very much for your kindness. It's such a long, deep resume. You've done so much in the sneaker space. Stash, where did your sneaker interests begin? Where did you first start paying attention to all this stuff? I mean, probably like a lot of us, you know, footwear is a very interesting, you know, it says a lot of who you are, you know, it's sort of, whether you're into sports, if you're not, you know, there's this, to me, footwear was really the start of any sort of good outfit I ever, when I ever thought of like, oh, I got to go somewhere or do something that made sense. And when I say that, I'm talking about a period of time in New York when just sort of like, you know, the graffiti B-boy, you know, that sort of early Mm -hmm. 80s, you know, heads were mad stylized, you know, and trying to find your own way had a lot to do with how you dressed, you know, it sort of told a little bit about where you come from. And for me, footwear was the focal point to that. And that's really what sort of threw me there. What models were you wearing back then coming up? Um, I'd lie. I'd be lying if I didn't say that I was heavy into Puma and Clyde. Okay. Mm-hmm. Early Nike Blazer. Air Force One was really, as you know, people know, a very big favorite of mine by my opportunities later in life. Mm-hmm. 
Like you had the Air Force One when it first came out in 1982, 1983, right? Yeah, that was a that was awesome. that was the shoe, and that's that's what I tried to emulate in my first project. But yeah, I mean those were those were you know I mean I was up on what was current at the time, you know, like yeah, the advertising work, seeing you know Tony Alva rocking some blue suede blazers, you know, mm-hmm. resonated. It might have been like I don't know, I might even have that wrong. I might be like that court. The court shoe, you might have been rocking a tennis shoe, but it was that harbor blue and white. You know, there was mm. things that I remember about how they brought it to you and walking through a mall, seeing the first like athlete's foot was like the yeah. premier sort of, you know, they knew how to cater to you at that point. It wasn't your mother taking you to Sneaker Barn, buying you pro kids because they were $11 and she's going to get you and your brother a pair because you're growing out of them every week. This was right. more of a, oh, shit, yo, do you see that as we're walking by? Like, wait, what the? Oh, wait, what? Come on, come on, come on. We're not here for that. You know, so I got to say, that's my early remembering of like attraction to, to footwear. What What was the best sneaker to bomb trains in as far as just like per actual performance of it went? Wow. Any, any shoe that I put on that day, really? I mean, because yeah. I didn't really think of it like that. Um, you didn't go bombing in shoes that you didn't want to get fucked up in. So it was always a beater pair at that point. You didn't really... <laughs> You didn't really flex that hard, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a great question. No, I don't, I don't have one offhand ready for you. <laughs> I want to know when you finally got into the sneaker industry in a formal way. Like you, you opened your own store in the nineties. Was that your first real entry into selling sneakers? Well, prior to sneakers, you know, my first entry to retail was recon store. Right. You know, that was a store that because I had found myself, in the industry of, you know, making products later to be labeled streetwear. There was no label back then. And, you know, we didn't have the internet, you know, we were, we were running around showing people our stuff. We didn't have the luxury of emailing PDFs. So when it came time to representing ourselves in stores, I thought like, wow, man, I, I like the stores that, and thankful for who would carry us, but we weren't getting the window where they didn't hang us on the rack. Right. You know, so I opened my own store for that purpose of I know how to merchandise my gear and it wasn't maybe two years into having a clothing retail that I found myself an opportunity to engage in footwear and so so recon opened in 1998 is that right yes so a couple years later you got into the sneaker game and that was still when it was just recon no I I opened the store under the name Nort 235 it was on 235 Lafayette Street and it was right, right. next door to the recon shop and I had just met some people, you know, my travels that had access to product and gave me an opportunity. And it was really at the time, I think they were fascinated with what I was able to do with my name and branding and like that. I was more like a word. I can get all my homie sneakers wholesale. Like, wait, what? I didn't really have the business mind. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a business. I, I, I do business, but I didn't right. open the store with the intention of, OK, if we sell X amount of SKUs, we're going to get here and there. It was more of a all right, yeah, we can do this. It was a, a very indulgent process at the time because for me, I just wanted to design like a very cool space to buy sneakers in, you know, and okay, I'll let the other guys worry about where product comes from. Oh, wait, I am the other guy. All right, hang on. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> you know, so it was a very interesting time, definitely reflecting back on it. And you said at the time too, that like when you first started getting into sneaker retail, that you weren't like a huge sneaker nerd where you weren't differentiating in between the different Air Jordan models, like off, off the shelf. Like, how did you finally become like, kind of like a sneaker connoisseur or whatever you want to label it? 
I, I wouldn't even give me that label. I'm still sort of wet on that. I've, I dip and dab with what I like and my interests peak and dip and, you know, like most people, I, I, I love footwear still. I have a passion for it. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get involved right now on that side of the consumption of it. I was blessed because of the interest in footwear and having the retail operation. Everything was in front of me. You know, it was like mm. there, you know, like you stare at a too young, like, you know what? I need that. Didn't need it an hour ago, but if I keep looking at it, I'm going to need not only that, I'm going to need an extra pair. And it became a very big obsession, probably because I was immersed in it more than, mm. you know, I mean, let's be real. Let's go back. Like anytime I would travel and I was very fortunate early on to do a lot of traveling, wherever I went, I went first place you would go was to a foot store, I mean, a um, sneaker store. You know what I mean? Like you go to Europe, you'd be like, yo, I heard they got Velcro Adidas, Stan Smith's out here. We don't have them in New York. I don't remember where that came from, but I do remember being obsessed with like finding that pair of shoes that you could get at a French Adidas store because they didn't have them in the East, you know, or America. I didn't know at the time prior to being a retailer that things were regional specific. It was more of a, if you were there, you got them, you were there, you didn't, I didn't know that's how it worked, you know, until later, but I did have that sort of like, oh shit, you can only get these in Paris. Yeah, I want a pair of those. Mm. Just that's what I did. I didn't I didn't care to go, yeah, I did the museums and all that. I have my interests, but it was my retail therapy came in the form of footwear. How are you getting shoes for your own store? Did you have actual Nike accounts? I know a lot of people when they were opening stores back then were kind of parallel sourcing product or, or getting stuff from overseas and trading stock with people. Yeah, we we did a lot of that. We we would fly to London. It was very inexpensive to fly three friends to London and you could flatten the boxes out and re, you know, like just add water. They fluff back up when you get home, funny uh, enough. How many pairs of sneakers were you buying when you would go on these London trips? Oh my God. We had, you know, it it became crazy because I was really good friends with Crooked Tongues and a lot of my Ooh. friends that came up yep. in, in early, you know, scene in London had access to friends at JD Sports. And those were mm -hmm. the sought after colorways and things that, again, I learned at the time. I don't want to act like I knew. I did not. I was learning and I'm being honest with you, giving it to you real shit. I happen to know some of those dudes or, oh, my, my boys are down with them. And lo and behold, we got to go and buy a bunch of stuff or we knew what stores they were dropping things in. And we would just, some of it we bought retail and we brought back and we sold accordingly. But it was like, oh, wow, we have these colorways. We have the NYC, weirdly enough, only available in Foot Locker <laughs> Europe or whatever it was. And, you know, I didn't even realize, but at the same time, funny enough, I had started to meet people at Nike and opportunities okay. were coming around and to legitimize and get a Nike account. I was like, well, that, that sounds like what we want to do considering, mm -hmm. you know, the, the temperature, the climate of what was going on at the time I was watching it all sort of happen. Funny enough, my good friends at a life, we were both building, we both had clothing stores. Okay. Mm -hmm. A life recon. We were both building out sneaker stores, having lunch with each other, talking about mm -hmm. shit, not mentioning Ark, <laughs> not mentioning Nort. On some morning, Sam, morning, Sam, you know, like that yeah. cartoon, that old cartoon. And it was amazing when we both realized we were opening. We were like, why don't you, but why didn't you say something? I thought you were, yeah, I didn't know you were. And so I just share in that story because there was a lot of energy heating up in that market at that time. It was you know, the, the clothing market was great. There was a lot of young brands, but the footwear market was just crazy. And it's funny how both, you know, Rob and, and Arnaud and Tony at the time and Tammy, mm -hmm. and there's me and, and, and me. And so we're, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're trying to make sense of like, wow, this is really incredible. Like what's going on when I think about it, we were kind of like, 
hey, what's going on over there? Nothing, I'll be there in a minute. We're both like, <laughs> you know, building sneaker stores. Were, were you competitive in that early New York City sneaker scene, though? Like, I know you said you were friends. We would send customers to each other. I, in, I think, 99 or, two, no, 2000, when Nort opened, I made a postcard of the Lower East Side that went to James. At the time, it was Union. I don't mm-hmm. think the Stussy store was really jumping off. It might have just started on Prince Street. And then there was no Supreme. And then, you know, some of the other shops, I made a postcard giving everybody Tokion, had a little store. And, you know, all our friends, I made a postcard because we were celebrating. It wasn't, you know, I was psyched to go to their store and they were psyched to come to our stores. We were all like, wow, this is crazy. You know, like we're all like shop owners now. What the fuck happened? And pretty close proximity to, to each other, basically. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I think, I think when Dave's Quality Meat opened, I was like, whoa, that's a little close. We could have probably thrown a Frisbee to each other. <laughs> right. But, I mean, Crazy Dave, you got to love him. I mean, it's amazing. And the energy that that, good or bad, there were some things we rubbed elbows on, just normal, didn't mean it, but business is business. And there was stuff that we could celebrate great. When when you did, it was that much doper. Do you remember when you first saw lineups and things like that in terms of things really getting to a, a crazy new level of the energy? You know, I, I'll be straight up. It wasn't until one of my releases. Mm. Which release? It was the Air Force One, which okay. I released in the recon store, not Nort. Nort opened during the process in which we were making this product, but it was kind of a recon identity. Like me, I'm recon. Nort happened during that story, but it was intended release. So even though Nort was open next door, it was dropped in the recon store. And it wasn't, and I lived on that block five doors down. Wow. And the night before the release, I was like, are you fucking shitting me? I'd never seen people camp out for product. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I was just sort of naive to it. Again, you know, I'm, I'm being honest. And I was like, wow, dudes are like camped out. The next day it was around the block. And I was like, Crazy. oh, shit, I handed out water. I was giving people everything. I was so blown away and humbled by the experience. They didn't give a fuck about me. They were like, yo, we need the product, the shoe. The next, the. And, <laughs> and some people did care about me. Some people did care about the art. But the, the, the movement was already moving at light speed. Here I am just sort of like, it's getting in like the HOV lane all of a sudden. And you just... Yeah, you're just blowing, and I didn't. I I honestly didn't realize the opportunity that I landed on, because at that time when the shoes came in, if you happen to be with your homeboy, yo, let's stop by Stash's office. Say what up? Oh shit, the box came. Here's one for you. Oh, your man's here. What size is he? Here you go, G Money. There wasn't. I didn't have vision, and I probably still do it again today. I'm very like, yo, everybody get down. Mm. Like, oh shit, like wow, like. It was an everybody in the pool situation. It wasn't a, oh, shit, all right, hang on a minute. You know, right? there was an industry for that yet. You weren't thinking about resale or secondary market or anything? Yo, we didn't even know. I, I, I didn't yeah. know what the fuck that would have even meant at that point. It wasn't until that line where, hey, isn't that the homeless guy from around the corner? What's he doing online? And people are like, oh, people got <laughs> so, yeah. people online. People swap spots. I was like taking notes going they do what they oh shit yeah. okay and and then i learned a little bit more about the industry and the secondary market and how fucking amazing these people are are you fucking kidding me that's amazing what an amazing thing was that the release that you had uh kanye and don c at yes what what was that like having them line up in- but i didn't even know who they were right so imagine <clears throat> If, if you were more on the production side, you would have known who Kanye was because he was producing 
for Jay-Z and whomever, mm-hmm. right? He had his... The, the whole phenomenon to that is my good friend Vinnie Ponte. I don't know if you know this name. Vinnie Ponte is an East Coast New York legend. He pro skater, Zoo York. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. used to own a restaurant. I mean, the dude is he's out of control, amazing human being. But he's also a crazy DJ. And he knows, like, he used to DJ for Raekwon. He DJs and does all sorts of crazy shit. Here we are, the middle of the day. I'm like signing boxes. I'm blown away. Oh my God, humbled. You, you were here all night. What's your name? I always try to ask people their name, talk to them, and give them that moment, right? Vinny just busts in the store, cuts the line. Yo, 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 this is my man. I was like, well, your man's got to wait and whatever. And it worked out. He got a pair. Everything was cool. It didn't cause disruption to those who waited. But it turned out to be Don C, who was just, you know, it was my man Don, and this is Kanye, who produces whatever. I don't think he was really like, from what I knew, I didn't really know much of him. I knew the music when I heard who he produced for. I didn't know who the production was. And so Vinny was just like, yo, yo, this is my dude, blah, 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 blah. Of course, a few weeks later, I was like exploiting the shit out of what I just learned. Like, hey, check this shit out. <laughs> yo, yo, busted. He came to get my shit. Yo, what else? My man. Because, yo, that's how the game gets played. Baby. Let's be real. Absolutely. And then they were psyched, obviously, about the sneakers to come in and, and, and you know, try to, try to get them. I'm sure they left with pairs. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, a very good friend of mine, a documentarian, beautiful human, Su Kwan, photographer, was documenting that day. So fortunately, we have a bit of the transaction, them online. And, you know, I see Don C now and again, stand up dude, man. I got to say, like, he yeah. remembers that day. We talk about it. We, I send him some of the photos. We have a laugh and really good dude, you know, like, you know, the other one, we, we, we won't really have to go there. <laughs> okay. I remember as an intern at Complex, uh, Bradley Carbone was calling in products to feature in the magazine and I would go to your store. I just remember, correct me if I'm wrong, a big net. Wasn't there a big net? Or something behind the register? The old, the old, the original recon store mm-hmm. was like a military outpost. Okay. The inspiration, the name, a lot of my design influence comes from like military-esque camouflage, the mm. language, the, you know, all the visual language of the military. So recon, reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. And so I designed my own camo pattern. I had camo netting, as you're referring to, draped mm-hmm. like that white camo netting that they would hide their equipment with, you know, off the, you know, off camera. Yeah. I had also had bob wire, razor wire. I had yeah. aluminum, um, diamond plate aluminum. The floor cost the most because it was like aluminum diamond plate. It was crazy. Wow. And all that being said, it was all fun and games until we had to move out and remove all that shit. That's when it yes. became like, oh my God, like you can't get it up. It was glued. That was, that's when it really <laughs> came to haunt but- me. But yeah, Bradley used to send me down there and I would like have the, the, the paper bags worth of uh, paper bags of shoes. And like they would be like some of them would be collapsing because he was just calling in samples, calling in samples for the, the magazine back then. Great time. I want to go back a little. Um, you meet Mark Parker, president of Nike at the time. How did that come about in that first like interaction? I met Mark Parker in Tokyo. Okay. Um, a mutual friend of ours had called me up and said, hey, I'm down at this cafe right below where my, I had a very good business in Japan. I had a partner for, I had a recon shop in Japan. It was my distributor for the recon brand that later opened a store with us. And we were in the office and, hey, my friend Mark's here. He'd love to, you know, chat with you. You want to come down and whatever. And I went down and I met Mark. And I didn't know who he was. You know, we had a great conversation, he gave me his card. And I'm like, okay, is it? 
Japanese president? Are you, you, there was no mm. clarity to me. And I knew Nike was a very huge company, but I didn't care or even think about to look into whomever. I knew a few people at Nike earlier. I used to work for Triple Five Soul, a New York brand. Okay. Oh, Shout wow. out to Camilla yeah. Elke, all right? She mm. needs to be brought up in this whole history. She gets left out a lot. But she befriended people at Nike because they were giving her shoes for her fashion shows. So through that connection, I got to meet some people in the New York Nike office. Years later, when I met Mark, I said, oh, yeah, no, I knew this. I met these guys in New York, a guy, Jerry, and this really beautiful woman, Betsy. And he looks at me, he's like, Betsy's my sister, you know? Mm. So, you know, and they were great people. Jerry Erasmi and Betsy Parker were my first connections at Nike. And that, they had a, a brownstone on like 22nd Street or something like this. You walk in and had the logo and marble. You know, back then you were wow. like, what the fuck is that? Like, oh, my yeah. God. Like, oh, you know, it was like, you know, it was crazy. It was like Willy Wonka shit. Years later, I meet Mark and, you know, we had a great conversation. You know, I, I get home from the trip and now I realize, okay, you're Betsy's brother. Traki tra. I hit up Jerry Erasmi just on some, hey, can you, you know, school me up on this? He's like, oh, that's the president. Just on some casual oh. stay. And I was like, the, the president of the whole thing. Yeah, like the shebang. He's the guy. And, <laughs> and but like I met him in such a casual way that I to this day, I think about him in that same way because he's always been just a normal dude to me. Yeah. OK, he just has a better fucking day job. Right. I mean, whatever. But what a what a what a fucking good guy that that dude is. So, you know, I meet him. I meet him in Tokyo. He's coming to New York. I'm like, yo, I'm working on a little build out. I'm trying to, trying to, you know, that was right when we were building out Nort. <clears throat> Nort took a while to build out because we suffered, you know, the towers and all this stuff happened. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a little time mm -hmm. off. Um, but he invited me. He's the one who invited me to make my very first shoe, which was, I think, might have been the second to be released. I'm so cloudy with all this. I have to mm -hmm. look off camera and ask friends and look online, you know, look at whatever. <laughs> but I got asked to make a shoe. Mark that day in Tokyo was like, what's your shoe? And I said, he goes, I see you're wearing Air Force Ones. I said, yeah, that's, that's kind of my everyday joint. And I don't think I had anything special on. I might have had like an all black on black, some shit I just bought in Tokyo a week, you know, that I got there. Like, of course, I land, I got to get some new Japanese joints. All right. Mark's like, I'm coming to New York. Let's, let's meet up when I get to New York. And I thought, okay, well, that's cool. You know, whatever. I didn't think much of it. I got back. I hit Jerry. Jerry's like, yeah, Mark's a dude. Okay, Mark comes to New York. And it was like a week before we were all going to be in Las Vegas for that. Ma it was called Magic at the time. Yeah, of course, the trade course. show. Magic, yep. yes. They didn't have all the younger iterations that spawned yes. Agenda, what modern younger kids know, but the OG shit was Magic. And under Magic, yep. you had different buildings that catered to whatever. Mark's like, hey, man, when he was in New York, he's like, hey, are you going to come out to Magic? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, bet. I'll see you at Magic. This is where my life changed because at Magic, dude's like, come on, I want you to come up to Portland. Do you have a few days to come up to Portland with me? So I went up to Portland with him, and that's when I got to work on my first shoe and got to meet a lot of key people that would later come into the storyline of, oh, hey, would you like to work on this project here? You know, it was really that introduction because that world is, there is a lot of who you know and if you're there mm -hmm, at the mm -hmm. right time, there's a lot of timing in that. Everything's on calendar. You know what I'm saying? So, and I learned that. I'm, I'm talking like I know. This is all me learning as it's happening. My first trip to Portland and getting to go on the campus and just that whole thing and then meeting certain people really 
opened the door, not just for me, I believe for a lot of younger artists because I was the guinea pig. I was the first like, all right, if we can make this work, you know, we might be able to, you know, put it out there to the world kind of thing. And it, it was great. I mean, they were, you know, imagine they're on the super highway. They had to get on the auxiliary road to like downshift and grind down to deal with independence and artists and people that weren't part of the machine. They're a well-oiled machine, dude. They don't they don't have time for this shit. Those those first couple of releases were 2003, right? So the Air Force One and the BW that you did. Yep. And I so believe the 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 Air Force came released after my BW. Some weird twist of fate where I worked on the first one, I worked on the second one. I believe I I don't know I'm cloudy, but I I think it came out first. But regardless, what a great introduction for me into which was your first question early lines and that my introduction to seeing how the the audience of the sneaker movement participates it was it was fucking incredible and you just kept going from there did you feel like you kind of through this connection with mark parker were able to build and build on that air max 95 i mean again your sneaker history is so deep you had the steel toe recon air force one mid so many pairs over the years yeah no i mean i i definitely have a lovely resume i'm proud of I was, you know, because like I say, now I'm in the conversation and they're still trying to figure out how they make it work. And, you know, they they bless me with certain projects, but they also bless themselves. Right. When you think about it, because, hey, let's do a little test project with this guy. Oh, wow. We're getting good. We're getting a blip. Okay, let's go ahead and do that. Because Nike's no dummy. Everything is market research. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't until later you learned the word analytics and all this other shit. We didn't realize we're all guinea pigs. They look at all of us with a microscope. I mean, I met people at Nike back in the day and be like, so why do you think? Everything, you know, had this sort of like, so when you when you look at a shoe, why do you think? Yeah. It wasn't like, yeah, what shoe you like, homie? And decipher yeah. it. They really. Were you, were you charging them a consulting fee? No, I was not. I was not. I wasn't. But I also had the advantage point of realizing and not real, realizing later. I, I learned my advantage was what it did for me on the wider view of how it was looked at what I was participating in. Nobody knows we're talking now. I don't go out and share it. You ask me, you Mm -hmm. need me, I'll talk to you. I don't have a big blog where I detail my day to day and you don't see the tiramisu shit and all this other crap. Everybody feels the need to (laughs) put in our face all day. Right. But it was, it was an amazing time. And that's when people used to interact with each other. When you, when you're in the room with somebody, you can get it done. You five people in this podcast room, if we were all sitting together, the energy would be so raucous right now. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah, a little yeah, different yes. when we're in the same room, you know, and we can really tell stories and get excited and yo, oh my God. I'm excited. Yes. Well, you look, I you get- look like it, but I'm just saying it's, <laughs> it's, but you know what I mean? So it's like, absolutely. That newness, the novelty of what we were achieving at the time, I think presented opportunity, not just for ourselves moving forward, but for other artists and other departments at Nike that were like, oh shit, hey, we could use some of that energy over here. Hey, we want to live outside the box too, or whatever it was. You know, they certain people took a chance. I mean, God bless Sandy Bodecker. Mm. Rest in peace, yeah. Really, let's take a moment for Sandy, because without Sandy, I don't think there would be any of the energy on that level of what, we used to walk around the campus and they'd be like, uh, it's an SB problem. They look like Bodeckers. You know what I mean? Because... <laughs> It was only Sandy that would have these non-traditional, you know, I'm not walking around with my sports agent. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. beelining to a building. We're just wiling out, like trying to figure out where we can sneak a one hit on campus, you know? 
<laughs> Sandy Bodecker, you did it. That's the classic uh, quote from you for just for kicks, founder of Nike SB. Yeah, and SB to me stands for Sandy Bodecker. I don't you can call it skateboarding, you can call mm. it whatever you want. Sandy is the godfather. I mean, he really and and along with a team of amazing fucking people, dude. I could sit here and list a resume of people that I think the world should know because it doesn't happen on its own. And even the things I do, I wish I knew some of the project line managers and the motherfuckers that were in Vietnam or China or wherever they were on the holidays mm-hmm. to make my blue the blue that I begged them for. Yeah. Because without their work, I wouldn't have this conversation. I just happen to be the captain, but we're on a dope-ass team. And the mm-hmm. people I worked with at the time of the shoes that I released were some spot-on, hardworking. They knew what was going on. And it was because of them that all the shoes of that year looked the way they did. Did you ever think you were going, that these were going to be like icons when you were creating them? Like in, like in my opinion, like the 95 is like one of the greatest shoes I've, I've ever seen. And I'm not saying that just because you're on the podcast, you know? What, what about before I remember guys, do you guys remember two months ago or three months ago? I texted both of you. Like I'm get, I'm going to get the stash 95s. And then we were worried that the bubble may n- not you, hold up. But yeah. And even stash your own bubble popped on, on the shoe. You said you wore them in Air Max, Air Max day. day. Yeah. I walked out of my house like, all right, I'm good. I had like a, a left, ee, I sort of leaned. I had more swag on one side. I was like, motherfucker. But you know what? That was the sample pair. That was the mm. first pair that I was like, yes, I'm signing off on these that I wore. They lasted forever. I don't know how, but they managed. But no, to answer your question, no. And I still, I still sort of have to question like, wow, really? Like they're that influential or we've, we've made that much noise. You know, I've, I've, question that from different areas because I am a retailer, consumer. I like product. I go out and buy. I don't wait for it. You know, to all those who are listening, I don't get free shit. I go out and buy it. I buy shit online. What? My game you, is strong. You, you could call up Mark Parker, right? Uh, I actually, no, I can't. I don't even have his number. But, you know, we we at a certain point had an amazing relationship. But who who the fuck would take the call? You Yo, you can get me those in a nine, dude. That guy is about 400 people away from that product. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That'd be a silly call. Like, if you're going to call that dude, you better call with some right shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. as much as I sweat the shit like everybody, come on, I know Hiroshi. I know all these dudes. I love what they're doing now. You don't mm-hmm. think I wanted a pair of Hiroshis? You know, I put the calls in. I call my friends at the stores. Hey, if they're right. like, bro, lotteries. We got eight people yeah. in the store. I get it, man. It's cool. It's, it is what it is, V. But no, mm-hmm. every now and again, I, I meet somebody. Yo, let me bless you mm-hmm. up. But it's a different world today. It's not like it was back in the day. What was it like back in the day? Was it grimy back then? It wasn't as blatantly grimy. Okay. Uh-huh. I'll give you an example. I'll say two words. And I think all of you guys will look up me. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Nike talk. Mm-hmm. And ask yourself, was it grimy? Yeah. These motherfuckers would stand online in front of my store, not knowing I knew you were Swame 11 and you were <laughs> fucking retro Bob and Hey, my name's Mark. Really? You just shit on me on my fucking internet. I blessed you, signed your box, gave you a t-shirt, and you just called me out on some shit that I don't even know what store you were in that day. So yeah, it was grimy, and I learned just how grimy it was because of that goddamn Nike talk. Yeah, now we have YouTube comments, so it's- Whatever, B. Listen, you could talk all you want. You ain't going to change history. You could like it. You don't have to like it. The choice is yours, my dude. But those Was there drama in the store? My store? Yeah. Um, on release days, but that was a lot of it I learned was the personality of your staff. 
You know, they had right. their autonomy. You know, they were running shit. They were like, yo, I got this. Let me deal with the crowd or these are my guy. You know, there was a lot of sub level to how this whole thing played out, you know, and. I heard one time a Japanese dude came in there and was asking for some money and you had to straighten him out, a retailer from Japan. Yeah, that's, I don't know what kind of, there's so many different weird shit that goes on, bro. We're not going to, we're going to, we're going to let that one. We can't, we can't talk about that. Yeah, because you know, that's, you know what? I don't think it's fair to do that without that other party sort of playing party to this, you know, because we've made amends and we've, we've sort of dealt with it. And it was a situation that I'd like to remain in that folklore. Like if you know, you know. I can't sit here and admit or deny, but I'd rather have the conversation with homeboy being party to it because that would really make it real and what it is. It's a it's just somebody popping off, which is so easy to do right now, as we're going to learn on YouTube. As you said, I'm about to get slayed up. So whatever, dude. Boo boo. Yeah. Stash, talking about history. I mean, we briefly mentioned your Air Force One. You know, you had the one night only where your shoe ended up getting voted back as the shoe that the Air Force connoisseurs all wanted to see released. I know you said you weren't happy with how the shoe came out on Nike's end, but what was that like to have your shoe celebrated as the one Air Force One? Hands down, the dopest Nike night of any experience I've ever had at Nike. With all the traveling and all the great things that I've got to witness, even to date. Because here we are, I'm a New Yorker. I get the call from the New York marketing guy. I believe it was Gavin Thomas at the time. Yeah, Gavin right? Thomas. You guys remember Gavin? He's one of yours. He- yeah, old compl- he was the first complex sneaker guy. Yes. So Gavin hits me up and he's like, hey, man, uh, we, got a, we got a big event coming up. We got your hotel room. We got you a car service. I said, bro, I can't tell my wife that I'm <laughs> staying in the city to go to some sneaker party. He's like, and he got very English on me. He was like, mate, you know when they want to make the point? Mate, take the room. Okay, I took the room. You're bugging. From that moment on, everything got twisted. They rented out the London Hotel, I think it was, in the city. They flew people in from everywhere. 25th anniversary party for Air Force One. They didn't tell me what the event was. Friends of mine that were working on it were like, oh, you're going to like this. But nobody told me anything. Mm. A woman named Pam McConnell, who is the entertainment marketing person at Nike, who had invited me to do the BW, was Mm -hmm. also heading this big event. It was a major, major event. And I ran into her at the hotel. I was like, hey, can I ride with you over to the venue? She goes, yeah. I said, all right, we'll meet down in the lobby and whatever. I didn't know what was going on. I go up to my room, white on white, Air Forces, size nine, with the fucking dope wood shoe holder in it, Mm. in a white box. They had the ill snack kit, you know, like like all sorts of welcome to the room. They had an iPod mini that had really? all the sneakers being voted on on like a rotating picture thing. You know, of course, I waited. My shit better be. Hey, okay. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I still have that fucking thing. I don't know how to charge it, but I still have it. Awesome. And just a, an array of really cool like, oh, wow, I see why you wanted me to take the room. I invited 10 friends of mine. I was like, you guys take the room. I'm going back to Brooklyn or whatever. They had the room, but I I took all the booty. Um, I go downstairs. Pam's like, you know, you can roll with me, but everybody's got their own Escalade. I was like, what was that last Uh, part? This shit was so teched out. The party, forget my part of the party. The party itself mm -hmm. was just one of the best things they ever produced in my mind. Okay, I'll see you there, Pam. I'm taking my own car. You're right. Okay, boom. We go to the venue I'd never seen parties yet that they were like, 
paparazzi or like people shooting people's shoes on a podium right in the doorway. You know, all that next level, let's really do this thing. Yo, okay, boom, we get in. Now I see what's going on. And I see Pam in the doorway. She's like, hey, they're voting on you right now. Look up at the screen. And I was like, what? They're doing what to who? I didn't know until I walked into the event that night what it was, that it was a 25-year mm. retrospective of Air Force One. People got to vote on their favorite Air Force One. Get the fuck out of here. I voted, for, <laughs> I voted for cartoon. I'm looking at the guy across the room. I'm like, <laughs> homie, I got you. I was waving my pad. Mr. Cartoon like, joints, you. yeah. You know, and it came, it came down to me and cartoon's LA one. And I don't know, maybe somebody leaned wrong on a button. I don't know. I'll be honest. I'm still very humbled by the idea of that. And that to me was definitely probably, all right, yeah, I mean, I love what the, I'm in love with the 95 mm -hmm. as well. But to have that honor of, first of all, getting involved and being voted that they considered us because we weren't athletic, we weren't part of that sport movement, but yet our shoes resonated so heavily in that community that it was like, you know, up against, you know, at the time, what was like the Rashid, the this, the, there were so many sports shoes that were kind of bangers. But here we are, you know, putting our little pimp your ride, if you will, on these <laughs> shoes. And yeah, I mean, that was, that was amazing. And then you had Kanye West, like, perform at the, there was like Kanye and Rakim and all them, like, performed at the- Rakim, Nas. Yeah, oh, yeah. the classic. Produced by Premier. Yeah, mm -hmm. who later blessed me with the vinyl, and he wrote a night. Wow. Oh, he's awesome. Is KRS One on that song too, or am I? KRS One is no, on was. that track. Yes, he is. He performed live. I mean, it was amazing. It was one of the craziest nights. I got to hang out with Dr. Bruce Kilgore that night. See, amazing. Wow. That to me was the most fucked up shit because everybody's like, "Yo, Stash is Air Force." I'm like, "It's not my Air Force. It's my fabric." Mm, Bruce Kilgore. I'm a fabricator. You don't like the shoe? Talk to Dr. Bruce, dude. Yeah. I didn't design the shoe. None of us designed the product. That comes later in the sneaker history of what they allowed artists to do, right? And today is a different world. Back then, we couldn't... I'll show you. Well, I don't, I'll show you. I, don't, I can't show you right now. But my first shoe, that Air Force One, I asked Mark if I can do Velcro swoosh so that different people can put a color on. Kind of mm -hmm. like the outline of a piece, right? My mm -hmm. everything to mm -hmm. me is graph and whatever. That's why I use spray nozzles. He's like Nike legal wouldn't let us do it back then. They wouldn't let anybody touch the the mark. Today you could pile dog shit in it. as long as it's the right shape. They don't seem to care. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so crazy. But early on, it was trademark was so sensitive, and you know they were like, you can do three things to the shoe. What three things would you like? You know what I mean? It wasn't like today, you know. That Air Force One party, somebody who I'm certain was in attendance, a guy who tried to get a big chunk of your sneaker collection at one point, Mayer. Can, can we talk about the story when Mayer wanted to buy out your, your sneaker collection? I saw Mayer the other day. Um, <laughs> We've heard it from his side, but I need yeah, to hear he from your up, side. He brought it up that he tried to buy your collection. Oh, but he, he's aggressive, right? Let's yes, talk about yes. Mayer. Listen, there's two parts to this. There's Mayer 1.0. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he was a different human being, as we laugh today. And there was Stash mm -hmm. 1.0, which was fucking rotten. There was major bugs in the operating system. So okay. here you have these two buggy <laughs> systems. So Mayor was like, yo, B, you know, I'm going to buy your shit. I got cash. I was like, oh, man, I don't even know what. Why are people coming at me so hard? I didn't even put it out there. It was like a friend through a friend. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Mayor, Mayor was a little intimidating, I'll be honest with you. You know, because, again, I'm not the guy in that sneaker world. Mayor is. I'm not that guy 
in certain things. And I love the dude. We become very friendly and, and whatever. Props to Mayor. Shout out, my G. But back mm-hmm. then, it was mad funny. We loved this. We always laughed. Like, you remember? Oh, of course I remember. But it always stretches and twists from how it really happened. At- Absolutely. That's yeah. his MO. He tells, you know, he, we all have history. So how did it really happen? It was like that. Like, you know, I was like, hey, I had to close my store. I'm like, yo, so disenchanted with the industry and what's going on. It was like, it was. I, this is like 2008, 2009. I call it oh eight. You know, like oh eight. It was horrible. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like the sneaker industry went to shit. The disposable income crowd. Well, they disposed of their income. It was a different. It was a. It was a whole new turn in 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 this area. A lot of small shops in New York closed. A lot of us. You know, my thing was a leak that pushed me into the like. I was afloat on a recession tugboat, and then I had a leak that just took us down. You know, it was like fucked up. But yeah, that period of time, you know, the word got out, yo, dude's going to sell his sneaker collection because I was quite frankly, you know, looking at you guys with all the shoes behind you. I had that shit. Up, I was up to my ass moving them from the left side of the office to the right side to mm-hmm. the this, to that, my wife, my this. Calgon, take me away. I was like, I can't deal with this shit. And I realized at a certain point, man, this is going to drive me crazy. And I started talking to a few people. Do I, do I sell them one by one? You get more value. Yo, I'm going to buy the whole collection. Heads just swarmed me. You know what I'm saying? And in trying to figure out, thumb my way around what the best way of doing it was. And a couple other cats, you know, mayor's contemporaries, another cat, you know, Mm -hmm. came at me. Yo, I got cash parked outside of my office. Yo, tell them to come outside, yo. I'm like, really? Like, really? Like, come on, dude, I can't. (laughs) You know, know, you're talking like 50 grand, 30 grand, 50 grand, you know, somewhere, nothing like, you know, oh my God, call the IRS. But at the time it was like, yeah, I don't know that that's going to really solve my problem, me selling it. Walking into my bank, you know, like I, I wasn't so sure what my move was. But when the word got out, you know how that goes. It's anybody sort of, you know, like, yo, let me, yo, I got your money. Let me. And it just happened to be me and Mayor had a funny engagement where I was like, you know what? No. <laughs> Telling you had like, yeah. you had like undefeated, like you had what you're like undefeated Jordan fours. Is that, is that right? Like Eminem Jordans? Like no, I didn't have the Eminem Jordans. No. But you had the under you had the undefeated. I had the undefeated fours. joints, yeah, yeah, I did. So this was serious. This was serious money in in retrospect, as far as like what you had there back then. When you look at the value of the dollar and what was going on, yeah, it was it was mad real. But it was it was like I'm just putting the word out, and everybody went fucking nuts. What'd you end up doing with all those shoes? Did you did you hold on to them through the years? I I, I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they? What was that next question? I'm sorry. What was <laughs> 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 they're not with me <laughs> okay the mayor doesn't have them though right no and and i'm sorry mayor i know you're listening and i'm sorry and I, i'm sorry i'm I honestly sorry stash i actually had interviewed you in boston in 2014 for your release of uh the question at concepts um when you dropped <laughs> and uh you know you dropped it but d- during during that conversation you 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 were talking about you know if if you give someone a shoe and the shoes sells for a thousand dollars you can't really blame the person if they resell your shoe even though you you gave it to them. knock yourself silly go that's that's what I said in the beginning of the conversation I was so blown away like my son is fifteen I'm like yo dude kids that are thirteen are selling and hustling get out there go fucking figure it out and he's got his grime on he knows what's up he's trapping he knows. But I was so blown away by seeing these young entrepreneurs and realizing like, yo, man, that's amazing that, yeah, 
as I learn the value of certain things that I might have produced and gotten to gift people along the way, if, if, if the value of that shoe pays your electric bill for four months, and that's your choice, man, go do that. If you want to wear them into the ground, go do that too. It's up to you. I, once I give them to you, I don't hold it that hard on me. It's not a painting I made for you like, yo, B, I wish you would have asked me. Product is product, man. That's just leather and rubber. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I want to talk more about your Reebok work. I know there was some point in there where you weren't that interested. In- yeah, I don't talk about that. <laughs> but go ahead. I'll see what I can do for you. What happened with Reebok? I just, it just, it was like a fade to black situation. It just sort of, I want to say a little switch and bait along the way. It just didn't go the way they had sort of pitched me on. And then things just sort of went the way they dictated it to go. Like most sort of deals with big companies. So, you know, just left on sort of like a a no note, not a bad note, not a good note. Just like a, okay, we good. Are you happy with the work you did there? I mean, one of my favorites still is that Graphlite Pump, I think, which was the first one you did with Reebok. Yeah, I'm happy with the work I did there at a certain time. At a certain time, I felt it just was like, yeah, yeah, okay, we, we got to make his, yeah, okay, he's here. We got to, you know, because it was a very tumultuous period for the brand. They had, I was there two years. They had five different people in marketing. They didn't really, you know, it was a, it was a hard time for them. It was not a great time for me to be there because of, just them finding their own footing, not disrespecting anybody, one mm-hmm. particular. I could if you want me to, but just <laughs> not trying to. I'm just saying. Go off. No, <laughs> they were just unorganized, honestly, at the time. And I, I think I was just sort of caught in the fold of it. Was it a hard time for you? Yeah, it was a hard time for me because no matter what I did at Reebok, everybody's like, oh, but it's a Nike guy. I'm there at a Reebok drop and motherfuckers are showing up with their Air Forces and their fucking, you know, and I I just sort of feel like, wow, Reebok really missed the window with me. They dropped the opportunity. They didn't really do what they should have done because, you know, I was, I gave them what they wanted and they didn't, to my mind, really give back what I gave them in the sense of, and I'll, I'll chalk it up to, it was a weird period for them. The building was half empty. Every every two months, it was a new marketing person. I'm like, dude, what's going on over here? It was a little inconsistent, you know. So, you know, it didn't really didn't really go the way I I, I would have hoped. Nice people. I mean, I'm not talking about people. Just the workflow was, and certainly a lot different than what I was accustomed to over at the other side. After that, you ended up going back to Nike. You had you ended up having that. Uh... Kind of similar to the one night only, you had the Complex Con Air Force One that was, you know, a, a limited uh, engagement. But I think the bigger project was is you had that Spirit on, which kind of felt like the return of Stash. Like you did the Nike stuff early on, and then you came back to Nike after all those years, and you got that Spirit on that had to build out at Twenty One Mercer and everything. How did that feel to finally go back to the brand? Oh, it was it was great. I mean, you know. I'd been friends with them the whole time, you know, nothing changes, you know? Um, but it was a little awkward. It wasn't, I knew I wasn't getting any jobs thrown my way when I was sitting in, you know, Massachusetts some days. Um, you know, when the air force one came about, they were, they were doing another big, what was it? 30 year anniversary of air force, Mm -hmm. right? They had Mm -hmm. public school. They did an off white, you know, they were really taking advantage of complex con Mm -hmm. and they wanted to do that big drop at complex con. And of course, what do they call it? Sneaker stash. What the fuck, dude? With all the words. <laughs> oh, man. That huge company comes up on it, how protective they are on their shit. They keep taking my shit. Think about it, right? All right, whatever. Sneaker stash. That's when you need the fee. That's when I need the fee. I know. 
I'm fucking up here, boys. You know, it's it's cool. They they invited me. They were like, hey, you know, we're doing this big project with Air Force One. Your name keeps coming up. The energy, you know, um, I forgot the gentleman's name who called me. Would you be interested in participating? I said, yeah, of course I would. Complex Con? Okay, sounds good. Now, I, I think that was the second Complex Con. Yep. And they invited me out to be part of it. They had done, they redid the rock Air Force One. They were doing like a mm-hmm. lab where yep. they were having Errolson from Acronym and all yep. of us out there to do stuff. And I was like, that's great, but why aren't we selling my shoe? They gave out 100 pairs of my shoe, and they, they wouldn't put it to market. And I still, to this day, don't know why. All the other shoes went to market. This little piggy didn't go to market. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) So my third iteration of the shoe. So, yes, correct. First shoe, Air Force One drops in a suitcase. Earmarked. Mm -hmm. One blue one for New York, gray one for London, red one for Tokyo. Different numbers for each city. Air Force One party happens. They remake the shoe. They remake the shoe, but they did things like add metal eyelets to the lace holes. Not my call. Don't accept Mm -hmm. it. Didn't ask me. They did it anyway. And they also didn't take into account when they said everybody at the party will get a pair, everybody that voted. But that's everybody who was on the list, not the plus ones and all the, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So when these things happen, I take a lot of heat, right? Because there's no, hey, uh, complaint box on the corner. It's like, oh, there he is. Yo, how come I didn't? They think I make decisions. Like Mm -hmm. I'm part of like, I have a say. Yo, I was at the party. How come I didn't get a pair? I don't know. No, gee, you got to talk to somebody at Nike if you don't work at Nike. You know what I mean? It's kind of awkward for me. So there was a lot of stuff that happened with the one night only that I thought could have been handled a little bit differently. You know, it sort of like left me exposed in a weird way and not knowing what they were doing. I'm hearing about it from other people and then having to call back in like, yo, are you are you releasing? <laughs> like, what the? Okay, so now you go to ComplexCon. Sneaker stash. Everybody was like, oh, you came up, son. Yo, B, look. I'm like, that's not, I know. They got your name in the app. That's not me. Doesn't have my tag. Just because it's, mm. right? So here we are again. I'm, I'm a little exposed. I'm at, now I'm standing there. I signed 100 pairs of shoes and greeted everybody that won a pair of ComplexCon. I said to Nike, that's the way I'm doing it. I want to meet. You giving them out, I'm going to stand there and hand them out. I want mm-hmm. motherfuckers to get it from me. And we did. And it was fucking a great experience for me. Until you get home, and then it's like, yo, how come they're not releasing them? And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would like them to release it too, you know. But they didn't, they didn't do it. So I had three iterations of that shoe. You know, um, Matt asked about the spirit on, and so after that process, or during the process of making that shoe, I happened to be on campus. The Nike campus, for those who don't know, is a big sprawling, like mm-hmm. a college campus. That's why they call it a campus. Buildings separated by you know common areas and all this crap, whatever. I'm there meeting somebody about a project, and I see a, a good friend of mine walking by who happened to be working on a Zoom Air initiative, Zoom Air, Teleria, Zoom Air, Spiriton, blah, blah, blah. Asked me, hey, would you, hey, come up, let's, let's hang out. That's what I meant about being in the right place at the right time. It's, you can only do so much electronically. If you're hanging out with people, you can get inspired, you can, you know, ride on that, right? So I see my dude, AK. He's like, yo, come upstairs. I worked with him at Burton, Japan. When I did work at Burton, I worked with this cat. We're old friends. So he's like, hey, it'd be dope if you would drop in and maybe do some shit. I was like, of course, whatever. Yeah, okay. It took over a year and a half for the shoe to properly come out because that's not how shoes are made at Nike. It's not usually a developer that's like, hey, I'm going to throw one in the mix and see if 
sales and marketing and all yeah. the other. It doesn't. It goes from the front to the back. We went from the back to the front. So my shoe dropped, I think, in 17, but it even says Spirit on 16 on the bottom. You know, it was like a rap record, right? Heads are like, yo, 96, oh, record drop in 98, <laughs> son. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoa, that took a long time for it to come out. You know what I mean? Like, it was that sort of, it wasn't as seamless as the other shoes I did because the way I happened to make it wasn't traditional. You know, so we were going to do a much bigger party. I was going to get to do like a really fat event. And then we lost budget. Everything changed. The winds of change were blowing. Everything happened. They were like, you know what? We'll thump your little event at 21 Mercer. You know, right. and it was lovely. And I'm thankful for it. But it wasn't nearly what they were planning. Do you think that affected the reception of the shoe? Because to me, that one spirit on is the one stash sneaker from Nike that ever went on sale or was available under retail. I remember sweating. I remember sweating Russ Bankston. I have the, the box right here because Russ went to 21 Mercer event and I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to get a pair. And I have this box that you signed for Russ. So if you see him on eBay, it's mine, not Russ. I'm not going to put him on eBay. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? That was the first time. And then I thought I had to sweat about it. But then afterward, the shoe was readily available. You know, how good does that feel to me, right? Here we are like, you know, as designers, unless you're brought in on an initiative or some sort of crossover, you don't get paid. You get paid in the glory, the heightened sense, mm, right. everything. It's a great thing to have. Even if you're not getting a check, you can make these things work through their marketing. And they did hire me to paint the store. They did bring me in to find budgets in ways that product doesn't give you. They gave me pairs for family and friends. Back in the day, I had a store. It was great. I sold it. Now right. I'm like, yeah, you're like, whatever. But yeah, that shoe, I think they really dropped the ball on because they didn't, it wasn't set up correctly through the proper channel as I was sharing in the beginning of the story. I think because of that, it just sort of got like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? It didn't get any sort of like run in like, not necessarily the world that people know my footwear to be in or mm -hmm. how Nike treats artist product. It was sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever. It was a bit of a letdown for me because I worked hard on it and the people that worked on the shoe work really hard on it. And a lot of people's input were there and you know it could have been you know with a little bit of tlc from their side a bigger you know initiative could have been just fine but you know how it is you're talking a lot about like community it, what i'm getting is like you were very community driven back then and and your whole life if nike approached you to do kind of like an anniversary of some of those iconic air max 95s or something like that would you be open to it or do you think the game has changed too much well, I would be open to it, but I'd have a whole lot of backed up questions to just exactly what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the landscape's changed. Now, you know, we talked about that campus. I'd been out on that campus several, several times. Mm -hmm. About a year and a half ago, I was like, I'm going to go out to Portland. I got some work out there. Let me go visit some people. And it looks like the Death Star. The architecture's mm -hmm. changed. They got all new buildings. It's all black and ominous. Mark Parker's not the CEO anymore. He was when I was there, but... You know, it just, it, I was like, yo, this place is fucking rough, man. It's not mm. that environment that excited me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And would I turn down a product? No, I, I just, like I say, have a lot more questions than I used to. You know, it's Got a it. different playing field. It's a much different landscape. And although it's dope to be like, yeah, I'm doing a gig with Nike. Hey, wait a minute. Because mm -hmm. I got a few gigs that weren't so dope doing with Nike here. Let's, uh, let's have that talk. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't really, I'm talking to you guys as casual. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not, 
talking down. I'm just being real and saying it didn't work in, in, in the benefit of the artist on that last one. And it's because of how the project started. You did all the Nike in the Reebok stuff over the years, but you also had some like uh, projects in between where, you know, you did like a Lacoste shoe and a, a WSC shoe. Do you ever look back on those and kind of think maybe you wish you hadn't done those in the legacy of stash sneaker collabs or do you still Hell hold no. on to Oh man, I'm super stoked on those. I mean, WSC was a brand that I was family with. I mean, I would have done anything for Gregor and Matias and these guys. They were amazing. <laughs> What they did and how they shared it with artists and athletes and musicians and, and cooks and didn't matter. They were really just so eclectic. And yeah, you know, they were trying to come up on the footwear. But you know what? I got them to make me a shoeless box where I made mm. a, a, a Velcro covered. I still use them to keep clothes in when I travel. It's like what a businessman puts shirts and suits in when they travel. I saw that in a store in Tokyo, Tokyo Hands. I was like, yo. Maybe we can do that as the shoebox, and then people can reuse this thing. And so I was really psyched that WSC was down with that. It was before Puma did their little Tyvek bag thing. You know, we they weren't a footwear brand, so nobody, you know, looked at that. But that to me was a great opportunity to do that. And when you know, when we speak of Lacoste, man, God, I grew up with Lacoste. That was like the the most mm -hmm. premier shit you could have was the alligator. We had La Tigra, all right? You had a Lacoste. Yeah, La Tigra was like <laughs> the, 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 was the step with the step below to Lacoste. Yeah. Hey, you got a new. Oh wait, okay. Exactly. The tiger. It's not so the, the tiger's on your shirt. It's the tiger. Yes. Exactly. So when tigers on your shirt. So I had the opportunity to work with Lacoste, and it was great. Mm. Dave Grange, I think the guy's name was, amazing dude to work with, and they allowed me to do something they hadn't done: make an all waterproof shoe, not water resistant, waterproof. So I took, I think the SKU was called the Ravon or the Raven. And I got them to make a window with the logo so that you, I wanted it to look like this shoe was really produced, you know, like hands-on. That's what I like about certain shoes. You could see how they're made, like old school, you know, and they allowed me to make a full-on waterproof shoe. You could step in water up to the cuff of the shoe and your foot would not get wet. That was really expensive. They didn't make a fucking dime on that shit. Also, Stash, Stash, do these guys, I don't know if you guys know, no disrespect to my co-host, how hot was we back, how hot was no, we? No, I had, I had we SC salvaged denim jeans back in the day. Bradley would walk in the office with we, and I would be like, what denim is that? What denim is that? And I remember saving up. They ran the shit for years, like, on that block. No, we are the superlative conspiracy. I got to do yes. a lot of great work with them. They are amazing. And Gregor Hagelin, the founder, and Matthias, oh, my God, you know, um, I'm losing they my hands. But they, this is like an amazing crew. Absolutely. Love, love all of the people at WSC. Stash, this was great. So much energy, so much great stories. Thank you so much for chopping it up with us. Do you have anything before we go that you want to talk about or, or plug or anything like that? No, I'm good, dude. I'm, I'm, you know, happy you guys spent some time with me. I don't generally, you know, like I say, I'm not out there. I'm not, you mm. can't, can't find it from me unless you're here or, you know, one mm. of the two other outlets I might've sat with, but no, thank you guys for, for bringing me back out and giving me the opportunity to share some of this with you. Legendary you history, man. Such a catalog. There's, there's so many more. Yes. We could, we could go for another hour, but man. Well, we'll, we'll catch up another time, but thank you guys very much for your time. Thanks Appreciate so much, Sash. Appreciate it. See you guys. Our producer is Dave Matthews. Our associate producer is Jasmine Plata. Sound engineering done by William Smith. Special thanks to Jennifer Stewart and Shiva Bayet. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 